and it is on. What's up? What's happening? <laughs> happy Wednesday. Yes, happy Wednesday. You know what Wednesday is. Wednesday is typically a time for us to come out and just throw something out there and kind of get along with it. You know, typically when a boxing match is coming on, we do exactly that. We talk about a fight or the fight and the Errol Spence and Bud fight. We did two days, Wednesdays and Thursdays. Last week we did Thursday because of Canelo and Charlo, and we regretted we, it on Monday. <laughs> we might have to do a quick little show after this. There's there's stuff going on, baseball playoffs. Uh, Russell Westbrook thinks he's still elite. Uh, Harden. <laughs> it, it ain't 2020. Give it up, Russ. You you shoot bricks, man. Yeah, in fact, I think I saw a list that had him ahead of a couple of players. In fact, they had him ahead of AI. I'm like, wait a minute, what? what? Come on, man. I mean, who, who put these lists together? But anyway, this uh, day. 15-year-old probably. Yeah, right. That's all they did was watch a few YouTube videos. But you know what? Or they heard about him more recently than they heard of AI. And it was like, you know what? I heard AI is bankrupt. Uh, that meant he couldn't play. So that's how they look at it. <laughs> AI first was a big one. This guy has an annuity. He got his big money coming going up anyway. But today is Wednesday, and we're going to come up with something uh, not too different within within the season. Today is uh, NFL season day. And so we came up with the, the top running backs or running backs, prominent running backs, just some running backs you might want to throw out there. I don't think you want to do anything obscure just for the sake of doing it, but running backs from the 2000s. I think that was a pretty good glory year of running backs. When you look at it, Barry Sanders was already retired. Terrell Owens was pretty much done. And so we're talking about you know, there's a new age of running backs who came out for the 2000s, maybe even towards the end of the 90s, poured into 2000s. So, yeah, we thought we would talk about some of those players. Yeah, you, of course, there's some players who overlapped. But if we're going, you know, for the decade of 2000 to 2010, then, you know, it's specific because only, I mean, some players played all 10 seasons. Some may, some may have overlapped to one or two or three. Mm -hmm. So those numbers don't add up compared to the others. Um, but somebody like Priest Holmes, who had incredible seasons, he may not have played 10 seasons due to injury. Yeah, but he put his, his best seasons, you put him right up there with just about anybody. Maybe not LaDainian Tomlinson, but a step below because that dude put up some numbers. And it was just unfortunate the injuries he sustained was no, wasn't able to go longer. But he played like a good six or seven seasons that were – five of them were amazing. Exactly. And he's one of three running backs, Marshall Falk and LaDainian Tomlinson included, who did over 2,100 yards in three different seasons. So he's definitely – up there, you know, below the Ladanian only because he didn't play as long. But if you wanted to project and play the what if game, if he wasn't injured, football is a dangerous game. We know that. If he wasn't injured, what he would have done, man, I think that the answer is there. He certainly would have been <clears throat> one of the greatest of all time. And for the time he did play, he was playing like the greatest of all time, or at least in the argument. Yeah, like I said, he had some amazing seasons. You knew he was running it and he still put up numbers. You know, it, it was kind of like Walter Payne back in the day. They had no no quarterback, no receivers to speak of. It's Walter Payne left, Walter Payne right. Hey, here, Walter, throw it. Uh, you know, yeah. he, he had eight, eight or nine touchdown passes in his career. And it was very similar. I mean, not to that extent, but 
you knew Larry Johnson was going to get the ball 25, 30 times a game, and he still was very, very productive. You couldn't stop him. Yeah, just think about Larry Johnson since we're going to start with the list. We could just throw anybody out there. This list isn't going from 1 to 10 or 10 to 1. You know, this is a list of people who were prominent running backs that played in the NFL in that time period. If you've watched the NFL, you remember these guys. If you had not watched the NFL, take a look at some of these guys. Get some highlight videos. These guys were prominent during the time they played, even if it was a flash in the pan, because today no one talks about Priest Holmes. We've watched him. People our age have watched him. They respect him, and they appreciate what he had done during the time he had done it. So he's never Mm going to be forgotten to us because we got to see it firsthand. Right. But Larry Johnson, one of those guys, surprisingly coming from Penn State, uh, I say surprisingly because Penn State hasn't necessarily put out the greatest running backs recently before then. You know, you look at Franco Harris. Did I say Larry Johnson? We're talking Priest Holmes, right? Man, I got – man, my bad. (laughs) I was talking Priest Holmes. He had some amazing scenes. <laughs> hey, you know, Larry said, Johnson's the Priest Holmes. My bad. But Larry yeah, Johnson was Larry a bad Johnson. dude, too. <laughs> and it was bad a nice running back for, for a few years, man. And he was a pretty uh, hot running back for a couple of years. But coming out of Penn State, you know, you had uh, Blair Thomas coming out of there, went to the Jets with the number two pick overall, was supposed to be a good player. No. You had Curtis Enos, who had come out of there. No. All of these Penn State running backs just didn't turn out to be very good running backs. The other Kurt Warner was, I believe, the best <laughs> Penn State running back since since Franco Harris, in my opinion. And he went to Seattle, had a solid career there. But either way, Larry Johnson was pretty damn good for a period of time in 05, 1,750 yards, averaging 5.2 yards a carry with 20 touchdowns that year. I mean, and then he follows that up. And it wasn't even that he had a bunch of 1,000-yard seasons. It's just that those two consecutive seasons, 1750 in one season, the following season, 2006, 1789, 4.3 yards of average. But regardless, anytime you average over five yards of carry in the NFL, Jim Brown did it for a career, 5.2. Barry Sanders did it for a career, 5.0. We hold them in high esteem. But for a season of getting 1,800 plus, this isn't spot duty. They knew who was getting the ball, and he was still getting it. Yeah. Like I said, man, he had some amazing seasons. Um, someone else, Hall of Famer, Edron James, that's another guy. Uh, he came out. I was living in Indianapolis at the time, and I was I was upset because I met Ricky Williams mm-hmm. um, at the Combine. Well, not at the Combine. I was working at the hospital, and I saw him, Tim Couch, and a few other guys, and I just went up to him. You know, just to say hello, tell him congratulations. I, I wasn't happy about what he did to my Huskers, blah, blah. He laughed about that. And as I was walking away, he's like, hey, can you help me out? I was like, I'll do my best. Uh, where am I supposed to go? I'm like, man, I'm sorry. I work on the fourth floor. I'm not involved with the NFL combine. And I look down, and there's tape on the floor. I'm like, maybe if we just follow this tape. Want to walk? He's like, yeah, let's walk. So we're following the tape, and you go through a room, and the tape goes that way. And I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm allowed, but I think you'll be good if you follow the tape. So anyway, Ricky Williams was my guy, man. <laughs> he kicked it with me for about five, ten minutes, right? And that's always a cool story. And right. on top of that, your guy, <clears throat> former guy with the Chicago Bills, Mike Dickett, ends up taking him for the New Orleans Saints. He made his big yeah. name down in Miami, but Mike Dickett so anyway, the entire draft for him. It seemed like the perfect fit. Ricky Williams goes goes to 
to the Colts, but they drafted Edron James. I was like, oh, man, I was so upset. I'm not even a Colts fan, but Ricky, like I said, Ricky Williams was my guy after I met him and hung out yeah. with him, you know, for those few minutes. And um, so I, I always I, I didn't care for Edron James, but man, he has some numbers. His first couple seasons, man, that dude was he could he could run the rock. Man, he was the first one I believe that came on during the NFL Monday Night Football when they first started doing the introductions live and saying what schools they were from in position. He was like every down back. And he was the only every down <laughs> back at that time. He caught out of the backfield. He didn't come out of the game. He blocked well. He ran between the tackles, got to the outside. He had the speed to do so. He was durable. He wasn't getting injured all the time. And, yo, Edwin James coming out of Miami just before they had that humongous talent pool that came in that drove them to a national championship. Definitely somebody. I remember watching him against Baylor back when he first got the start at Miami. I knew he'd be something special because of his patience. They talked about his speed, but I didn't see the speed because he was so patient that he would just wait, 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 hit the hole. You knew it was fast and the acceleration was there, but I wasn't thinking speed until you saw him in the open. And he showed even more speed in the NFL. Yeah. And you know what? Like I said, I was living in Indianapolis at the time, and my friends, they're, they're Colts fans. They weren't happy about the Marshall Falk trade. But once Andrew came to town and started doing his thing, they're like, oh, it's cool. I mean, they, they Marshall did his thing in St. Louis. It worked out for both franchises. Um, but Edrin James was no joke. Oh, absolutely. You know, I respect the hell out of Edrin James. In fact, Indianapolis also respected the hell out of Edrin James because they still gave him a ring even when he went to Arizona. They still gave, still gave him a Super Bowl ring when they got their Super Bowl win. So, yeah, respect everywhere, and, and he deservedly so. And um, what, Hall of Famer? Of course he'll be a Hall of Famer if he's not in already, but he's not in right now. No, he's he, in. He's in right now? Oh, yeah, actually, Edwin James is a Hall of Famer. And you have a, a few other backs that are going to be mentioned, I'm sure, if we're talking about the 2000s, that should be in the Hall of Fame. You know what? We don't have to even make a list. We've watched a lot of these players. One of those players that I think belongs in the Hall of Fame, and I don't even know why it has taken this long, Corey freaking Dillon, man. Come on now. Corey <laughs> Dillon. Why is he not in the Hall of Fame? He played with the Bengals, had a hell of a career with the Bengals, got the requisite ring from the New England Patriots. He shut up with the New England Patriots. Everybody thought he was a head case. Some of it might have been true, but he played for Bill Belichick. Belichick has been <clears> being the running back or malcontent whisperer, and things worked out. He did it with Randy Moss. He did it with Corey Dillon. And, and Corey Dillon got himself a ring, put up fantastic numbers, outrageous numbers, 1,635 yards, the year that he played with New England for the, the Super Bowl year, 4.7 yards a carry, and just an overall great player. If you look at it for just as being a player, definitely a Hall of Famer. All of these problems that reporters may have with him, whatever. That's just yeah. their egos. That's it. Yeah. Well, you asked the question to start off, but then you, you went on. But to answer your question, you answered it yourself. Um, you know, he was seen as a malcontent, a guy with an attitude problem. And you know how how, how Hall of Fame voters are. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't even want to mention this, but it could be it, it, there's some there's a race factor also. You know, um, I, I I hate to say that, but I'm sure it is. You know, you you know how people get generalized or labeled, or oh, there's another one of those guys. You know what I mean? So 
and we've talked about Hall of Fame voters mm-hmm. and, and them thinking that they have the last word on everything and they think so highly of themselves. A lot of a lot of them should be given, should have their voting rights revoked. But with Corey Dillon, the race issue probably could be an issue, but the NFL, the majority of those players are African-American players. The majority of the Hall of Famers are African-American players. But, as well. but you know, they, they, they want their, their players to be quiet, walk the, line, walk the line, you know, portray yourself a certain way, not, not uh, ruffle feathers. Don't be a problem. You, you know, don't be a cancer in the locker room. And I'm not saying he was all those things. I'm just saying that's what they want. And you know, you know, you might have a point there because you look at what happened with Terrell Owens. Come on, man. What? I mean, there's no reason why uh, Shannon Sharp. I don't know. Shannon Sharp is the funny guy. And did he get into the Hall of Fame on his first try or the second try? I think he, I, I can't remember if he got in his first try or second try, but I remember when he was going in, there was some issue with it. I was like, where's the issue? Probably one of the greatest tight ends of all time. He, Tony Gonzalez, Ozzie Newsom, his name, yeah. tight end after tight end before Gronk comes along and all these other new age tight ends. I think Shannon's, he, he's just loud. That, that's it. But he's, he's funny. He was a he not was neg- yeah, not negative, not, not a troublemaker, not not an attitude problem. He was homeless. He's just, just funny. He's like yeah. Ocho Cinco. You know, Chad, you know, <laughs> Chad <laughs> just likes to say things, but he still makes plays and has numbers that may put him in the Hall of Fame one day. I understand right now they have a whole bunch of wide receivers who may need to go to the Hall of Fame. Isaac Bruce is another one of those guys. Even Torrey Holt could be another one of those guys. So there's gonna be a whole lot of wide receivers who didn't get to the Hall of Fame on their first try, but ultimately will get in there because it's just an NFL where the wide receivers are just ruling the roost right now. But Corey Dillon, man, going into the NFL, coming out of Washington, there was no internet back then. We already know that. And, but you just listen to the numbers that he had, like in college, for instance. Against, I, I remember posting it a little while back of what he had done against San Jose State. That's still a record to this day, 305 yards in one quarter against San Jose State. He rushed for 222 yards, and then he had an 83-yard reception in 305 yards for one quarter. They sat him down, man, on a gloomy day. <laughs> yeah, hang it up, man. You know, they should have told San Jose State to hang it up, too. But, yeah, another one of those running backs, another one of those guys you're throwing in. Anybody else you, do up, you would like to throw it in now? Yeah, I want to throw in Sean Alexander. He won an MVP. He scored 27 touchdowns that season. Yeah. Um, he had a lot of good seasons. Uh, finished his career with uh, 10,000 yards rushing and 100 touchdowns. And only nine nine uh, running backs have, have reached those numbers. You know, when he was playing, I remember how there were people talking about that he was soft. He refused to run in between the tackles. The dude carried the ball 370 times <laughs> for 880 yards. That's the year he had the 27 tack- uh, the 27 touchdowns. You can't hide from the NFL, man, and right. get the ball. And if you're getting the ball that much, hell, they know you're coming. And they're going to try to be the one to stop you. Dudes don't run away from you in the NFL, period. You know, there may be some guys who might not want to take the hit, but they're still coming after you because it's their job. But I couldn't believe how often I heard that he's soft. I'm trying to figure out how he's soft. How he's soft. He doesn't want to take the big hit. Why should he take the big Who hit? Who does? Who does want exactly. to take the big hit? You know, did Barry Sanders run up the people and take the big hit? He got the hell out of the way because he could, and he was shorter. But Sean Alexander, definitely. You know, and the, the I don't know if there's any irony to it. He did come to Seattle, but Ricky Waters was there. 
another player I believe belonged in the Hall of Fame, or at least get some consideration. He's like a forgotten player. And you look at the numbers he had when he was um, uh, playing, and the numbers look like, hey, you know what? A 10,000-yard rusher, that should be the benchmark. But as we continue to move on, you're having more 10,000-yard rushers, maybe fewer in the future because of the wide receivers and the same things going. Devalued running back, so you might have to stamp the guys that are in there right now and already made their name. But yeah, Sean Alexander, definitely. Yeah, I don't know if we're going to see another 10,000 yard rusher. Uh, no, no, I mean, you know, things go in cycles, but I don't know if the running back will ever have a resurgence like back to how they used to be 20, nah. 25 carries a game. You know, now you got to be more like Christian McCaffrey, maybe 14 carries a game, six receptions. Yeah, and, and do like the that. most with it. Exactly. These bell cow kind of running backs like Derrick Henry, he's wearing down. He did have this big game this past Sunday, but the previous games weren't anywhere close to that. The yards per carry was below four for the first time in his career. I mean, going up into that, that deep into the season. And even though he put up the big numbers, the next game, you know, these guys are coming. And for the rest of the season, they're always coming. It doesn't stop. It's coming in waves. And he's going to get banged up a bit because he's a physical runner. And for as big as he is, he does try to be elusive on occasion. He doesn't take the big hit all the time. But he does. he's going to wear down. That's just the nature of it for guys who aren't physical. So for guys like him, even more so. Right. So who you got next? Uh, well, the guy you brought up, Tiki Barber. Well, I think you might have brought him up before we got on the show. Yeah. So Tiki Barber, another one. You know, I think that people don't like him because of what had happened personally with the deal with his wife and so forth and how he allegedly cheated on her. Well, actually not allegedly anymore, <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, he put up one and then some people think that he thinks he's better than other people. You know what? I think, he, well, he was a valedictorian in high school. He's always been a good student. His brother was a solid student as well. We know about the story, you know, and, but Tiki Barber was a big time player for the giants fumbled a lot until Tom Coughlin came and told him how to handle that football, didn't much <laughs> after that. But the Giants win a Super Bowl without him. As soon as he leaves, Giants win a Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, but he retired on top. He still had a couple good seasons left, probably. Oh, yeah. His last season, he had over 1,600 yards rushing. So it looks like, I'm, I don't know, someone may compare it to what Barry Sanders did. He retired on top. But Barry Sanders was consistently among the best, if not the best. And he had an MVP to show for it. He didn't have a Super Bowl, obviously. But with Tiki Barber, hey, you can't sneeze at 1,600-plus yards. And playing for Tom Coughlin is <clears throat> a biscuit of his own because of the way he hounds players. But, mm -hmm. yeah, Tiki Barber, man, definitely a big cog for the Giants. You know, was consistent, fought through injuries. And, yeah, he needs to be on that list, too. I mean, he's going to be on it anyway. He played in the 2000s, but he stood out. Yeah, so him, Marshall Falk, and Marcus Allen, they're the only – Running backs in history with 10,000 yards rushing and 5,000 yards receiving. See, and so, Tiki Bob, of all people, you would not expect that. Even though I watched him catch out of the backfield, we talked about him in between the tackles, and, you know, he could get to the outside. He was a willing blocker, too. He wasn't somebody just getting in the way. He actually put it on you if he could. You know, but, um, yeah, I didn't even know that stat, to tell you the truth. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah, and if we're talking 2000s, he rushed for almost 13,500 yards in the 2000s. So yeah, he was he was a bad dude, man. So it's just a matter of time before he joins his brother. So we'll see that. 
you know, and this is somebody that the media actually did like. That's probably why he's part of the media now. Now he's in New York at WFAN. Right. And, but, he's, you know, he's been doing well up there. So and he was on the Today Show, I think, at one time. So, yeah, it, it, it's a part made for him. So Tiki Barber, certainly one of those people we don't forget. And he made his name. And being in a big market team <clears> like the Giants, it's going to, you know, help that along. So anybody else right. you want to throw out there? Um, Mr. 2000, Jamal Lewis. You talk about a he, he, How do you forget yeah, that? I don't know, but he was funny, man, because he didn't look explosive and fast or quick, electric, like you know. But he rushed for two thousand yards, man. After knee injury, <laughs> yeah. That Jamal Lewis was bad. He he rushed for over twelve thousand yards. Yeah, over twelve thousand yards. He came back. What was it, two thousand three when he had the two thousand uh, plus yard season? But at Tennessee, I remember him being explosive only because he was so big. He moved a lot like Natron Means, another name from the past. <laughs> Natron. Like bulldog. You know, they're short, they're stocky. You look like they shouldn't be running that fast, but their agility is off the chain. And he had that kind of agility. And then when he breaks into the open field, you see people kind of running backwards because he's running so fast forward. <laughs> and he's just a big dude. and He's taking those little choppy steps and getting away. And, and, and he brutalizes you. Now, he had his issues off the field, but we're talking about what he did on the football field for the time he played. You know, the injuries caught up because he is a physical runner as well. And you don't expect 2,000 yards from someone as physical as he is and someone who didn't really try to be elusive. He just ended up elusive on occasion. Yeah, like I said, he rushed for over 12,000 yards. Uh, he would have had more if he didn't have the injuries that cut his career short. But he still played long enough to make a big impact. Oh, Absolutely. And the one player I want to bring up after Jamal Lewis, we're going to stay in the SEC, Brad Taylor. <laughs> we always got to go back to the SEC. Come on. <laughs> Jamal Lewis played with Tennessee, won a national championship with T. Martin. They couldn't win with Peyton Manning, but they went with T. Martin and Peerless Price and Joey Kent. But now we have Fred Taylor playing for the Gators. This is a player I actually had the chance to cover for years. So this was something I saw up close and personal. Nice guy. I don't think I've met anyone. Even playing around, I'd say Fred Taylor's a bad dude. He just always came across as a nice guy, always cordial. You, know, you could get on his nerves. You could kind of see it in his eyes, but he'll still go along with it. You know, but athletically, an absolute freak. He was so fast and so big. I think he was 235 pounds, just a little taller than me, about 5'10", maybe 5'11". I think 5'10 might stop right there. But the speed he had, and I remember when his he shook so much so hard on a cut that the bone, the uh, the muscle came off of the bone of his groin. And every week, Tom Coffin's like, well, he's rehabbing, he's getting ready. Man, he was already an IR, but Tom Coffin acting <laughs> like he's going to come back this season. No one knew at the time the extent of the injury. In today's world of media, we would know. But it, it tore off the bone, man. Oh, God, it was And he just dropped the football. And the only thing Tom Coughlin can say, a totally careless disregard of the ball. <laughs> That's what he said. <laughs> this dude stopped like mid-sentence after the tear, just drops the ball. <laughs> and the other team recovers, I believe. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure Coughlin never felt that type of pain, so he couldn't relate. Right, absolutely. And Coughlin did play a little football like most coaches. In the same, actually, in the same full yeah, house. tearing the muscle off the bone, man. That's never a had anything tear off the bone. Yeah, that's a different kind of pain there, man. I can't even imagine that kind of pain. <laughs> the groin, I've had sore groins. I had somewhat of a pull groin for a while. Tear off the bone, man. 
man, you showed me. That's it. <laughs> Forget it. That would be the anesthesia. The anesthesia. That's crazy. Just just thinking about it, I, yeah. I can't imagine the feeling of it. Well, this but is the yeah, same Fred, Fred Taylor, awesome, awesome running back. He catch oh. it out of the backfield also. Uh, in 2000, he rushed for like 11,500 yards yep. and over 15, 50 touchdowns. Uh, another productive guy, you know, fantasy guys know. Oh, if you, you had to play against him or you had him on your team, Fred Taylor was always in the lineup. And when he and Maurice Jones Drew got together, they were even more dynamic. I mean, you couldn't even defend them. They were that good. It made Maurice Jones Drew look a lot better, even though he was good enough to damn begin with coming in, coming out of UCLA, <clears throat> little fire plug guy. But Fred Taylor, man, if he plays with a major market team, you're talking about him still to this day about what Fred, Fred Taylor used to do. He's respected like here in Jacksonville, like like he should be. You know, this is Gator Town and all that type of stuff. So mm -hmm. everybody respects him because he's a Gator playing for the Jaguars, the best running back the Jaguars have ever had, and that includes Maurice Jones Drew. And you know, definitely deserve to be on the list. Yeah, so my next guy, you'll like this one, Clinton Porters. Oh, <laughs> damn sure I like that one. <laughs> but not even because it's the U, but because he was that good, especially with Denver. Yeah, I mean, so he, he, played, he, he rushed for, for almost 12,000 yards and had the 80 touchdowns in the 2000s. You know, we're talking about all these guys. He did this, he did that. I He's right up there with them, man. He was very productive. And, man. and he, you know, I mentioned Jamal Lewis um, didn't look electric or explosive, but Clint Porras did. Oh, yeah. You know, this is a Mississippi boy here, and he could run. I mean, he was running, he was blazing fast. I remember him playing for Miami when he played against, uh, in fact, fumbled a couple of times against East Carolina, and they lost to East Carolina when David Garrard, I believe, was the quarterback that year. But he came from that same pool of running backs. Willis McGahee, Frank Gore, and him. Are you kidding? I mean, these three guys were on the same backfield. And at one point, he was the best guy there for the job until he saw Frank Gore coming up as a true freshman. But in his rookie year with Denver, over 1,500 yards, pretty much shut it down, let him know that he was on the set. And he just, he just completely just blew up. 5.5 yards a carry in his rookie year. The following year, 1,591, almost 1,600 yards rushing. The same 5.5 yards a carry again. This guy, he was insane. <clears throat> then he started doing the money thing. <clears throat> he could have stayed in Denver, been part of a championship, but he started talking about the money. And you know how it is. Why should I have to wait? This yeah. is a rookie deal. I outperformed my rookie deal. And in two seasons, who the hell was going to argue? They trade him in a very rare star-for-star star trade. Chad for Chad Bailey. Bailey. And a second rounder. Chet Bailey would have been good enough. <laughs> you know what I mean? But they threw him in a second rounder. And then he has a solid career with Washington and then the concussions and all the other stuff, the injuries, you know, he made a, a name for himself for a little while. And, you know, wearing those crazy costumes doing these um little media interviews, mm -hmm. but yeah, Clinton Porter, certainly, man. Yeah. I just want to mention something because you mentioned he rushed for 1500 yards so many times back before the, the NFL schedule went to 16 games, thousand thousand yards was a milestone. It was a benchmark. Yeah, but then you had two more games, thousand yards. Nah, that that ain't no big deal. Yep, twelve hundred yards, twelve hundred fifty yards and more. Now, now we're, you're talking because it translates because of the exactly just for inflation, pretty so, much. but somebody running for fifteen hundred yards or more, they're putting in work, man. Fifteen hundred oh, yards and five hundred yards a carry. That's that's getting close to hundred yards a game. Yeah, 
for 16 game season. You know, you look at OJ, the original OJ, the original OG, and <laughs> going by the way things <laughs> went down. But hey, 14 games is when his 2,000 plus yard season came. And I also remember Barry Sanders when he did his 2,053 yards. If you remember, he had those 53 yards in the first two games of the season, and people were killing Bobby Ross about not using him the right way. He had those 53 <laughs> yards in the first two games. The last 14 games, 2,000 yards. It over six yards of carry, about six yards of carry after that. So, you know, Barry could be one of those guys that in 14 games showed that he could get at least 2,000 on the nose. Yeah. You know, so. My guy Sweetness, man, he was on his way. So they went to New York, and there was an ice storm. <laughs> Nobody could run. He just slipped and slide. Last game of the year. I think he only needed, like, 140 yards, man. He was running for – that was the year he ran for 275. Hey, but he had 160-yard games, 180-yard games. Yep. Hey, man, them Giants weren't going to stop 1976. Him. And they should have – you know what? 77. They should have put – 76 or 77? 77. All right. So they should have just played the Jets because it seems like everyone who gets their 2,000 yard does it against the Jets. OJ <laughs> did it against the Jets. Barry Sanders did it against your the team? Jets. And I'm, yeah, I don't know what the deal is, man. If you just want, if you're on the cusp of getting 2,000 yards and you think that it might be out of your range, and if the Jets play that the last Jets. game, you're 250 yards down, you probably get it. 250 <laughs> yards down, play them. I mean, even now with the defense they have, but it's happened to be that way with some of these teams, with, well, with the Jets in particular. So uh, a player I like to throw out there, um, Steven Jackson. Remember Steven Jackson? Yeah. Not Steven the basketball Jackson. player, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not that guy. Yeah, think all of a sudden the boxer, Stephen Jackson, the boxer, right? This guy's a <laughs> now. Now he's the big time gangster in boxing. But Stephen Jackson, man, he used to have no play. Play for the Rams. Came out of Oregon State. He came out right after uh, Ken Simonton came in when Ken Simonton was pretty much finishing up his career as a running back, an undersized running back, playing for Oregon State. But he was a big bat. And, um, you know, in 2006, he had over 1,500 yards rushing, 13 touchdowns, but still, his value was also to be so big. You don't necessarily see the big backs who catch out of the backfield. And he caught out of the backfield because in that same year, he had 90 receptions with over 800 yards. So, you know, that's Steven huge, Jackson, man. 90 receptions for a running back, that, that's huge. That's, that's like huge, exactly. That's what you think, Marshall Falk, or maybe Edwin James, and now Christian McCaffrey, that kind of back. Or Roger Craig even back then. But, yeah, Steven Jackson, to be as big as he was, was blazing fast. He didn't get enough credit for that. I was saying his speed wasn't that great up until I saw his speed looking great. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Can't be right all the time. Just watch. Yeah. I, I remember Steven Jackson. I remember him with the Rams. I remember him being big. Mm -hmm. Just my, my, my memory is a little bit foggy with him other than that. The dreads. Um, but, what's that? <laughs> I said his dreads. He had the dreads. He's big yeah. dude with the dreads. Yeah, I, I can I can I picture him. I can picture him, but I just I, I don't recall his numbers or his huge seasons. It was a surprise for me to hear you say he he had nine receptions one season. Yeah. yeah, that's huge, man. So yeah, but yeah, definitely a baller. Oh, absolutely, and you know, and and to be that big, like I said, most times the big guys aren't the ones that are catching out of the backfield because especially in the NFL back then. They would use to bruise you up. Bo Jackson didn't catch a lot out of the backfield because he was bruising people up. You know what I mean? Even mm -hmm. though he probably could have caught out of the backfield with that type of speed, hell, that's a mismatch for anybody, even a corner. 
you know, yeah, offenses were different back when when Bo was, was playing. But you had him and Marcus Allen in the same backfield, man. Go figure that. It, yeah, unfortunately, not for very long. Unfortunately, and they were rarely in the backfield the together. Fans. Yeah, they, they, they put on the same team, but rarely did together. Tecmo Bowl made us believe they should have been together. They were both back there. (laughs) You can't play the Raiders. No, we're not playing for you, the Raiders. I I, I used to like Kevin Mack in the other Tech Mobile because Kevin Mack was a bad dude in Tech Mobile, too. Yeah, man. So, you know, uh, Christian Okoye was another one, but Kevin Mack was just, you couldn't tackle. Uh, You can't say Christian Okoye without mentioning 27. Steve Atwater. Oh, that was my did, guy right there. You know there. what? And that sucks. For the kind of career he had, the bruising back <laughs> he was, you're known for Steve Atwater and you're not, than anything else. And he was a big dude, 261 pounds. Azusa Pacific College. He came for track, ended up playing football, and um, Steve Atwater put it into that. But anyways, anyone you want to throw it in next? Because I, I mean, there's quite a few backs that you can well, probably I, throw in. Well, I gave I gave your boy from the U a, a shout out, so I gotta give my boy from Lincoln a shout out. Actually, I he's, from, he's from Omaha, but he bleeds red. Amon Green. Yeah, Amon Green, man, look, he did the quietest job of putting up the numbers he put up. I mean, he played for Green Bay. He was traded from Seattle, went to Green Bay, and just balled out. His yards mm-hmm. per carry average, putting up season after season of thousand yard rushing. And he, I don't think people think about him today at all as much as I think coming from a team like Green Bay. Yeah, you know, he, he was pretty some... he was pretty quiet, although you know he could be explosive. He had outstanding speed, put up good numbers. Um, but he, you know, he wasn't a hey, look at me, I scored guy, you know, or he That's just true. didn't he didn't he didn't try to get a lot of attention. And on that team, you know, Brett Farr is hogging up most of the, the attention yeah. anyway. But yeah, he he had over seventy touchdowns, rushed for twelve thousand yards, almost. Um, he deserves some mention. He was he was great. I hated yeah. it. He was on uh, in Green Bay, yellow and green. But you know that's my guy. He was at Nebraska. He helped him win championships. Yeah, and, Lawrence uh, Phillips. In fact, he saved it when Lawrence Phillips did miss a game or two or three. You know, he was the one that was there. And that, was that yeah, his freshman year? He missed like nine. Yeah, was that, that? His freshman, was that his freshman year? When Lawrence Phillips was out, it was his freshman year. His freshman year. Look at his yards per carry back then. They were through the damn roof. It almost made people think that we could do better without Lawrence Phillips in the problems. And then he comes into the NFL, and he does better than Lawrence Phillips there. Yeah, that was crazy. Lawrence had a lot of problems, issues. Yeah, I know a lot of the problems, you know, off the field that he he was just battling. So his talent couldn't even flourish on the field. I think because of what was going on, it's a marvel and a testament to his athleticism that he played as well as he did while in college still dealing with a lot of what he was dealing with going away coming back still looking the same didn't really miss a beat but amon green was already in there showing that he could replace him if he needed to he did it came to the nfl did well in the nfl so amon green certainly in 2003 over 1800 yards i mean that's that goes without saying you know he averaged over yeah that's a monster season right there Anytime you go over five yards of carry, and it's in this case, 5.3 yards of carry, 15 touchdowns, we should know your damn name. You should have something in Lambeau Field <laughs> that showed that you was there. <clears throat> yeah, what year was that again? In 2003. Yeah. Was that the Sean Alexander year? 
Um, well, that's probably why. That's <laughs> it might be. Why. Yeah, I think, I think he was MVP in 2003. So, but if nothing yeah, else, man, Sean Alexander scores 27 touchdowns and gets all the attention, then not a whole lot of running backs can get get shown the same type of love. And a running back who doesn't really pump himself up to stand out. You know, he's one of those quiet guys. So, like you say, a quiet guy is not gonna. You know, the squeaky wheel gets the attention. Well, we had a, a squeaky wheel that had a lot of touchdowns that year and a lot of yards, and that was Sean Alexander. So, um, yeah, that was your boy, Amon Green, and deservedly so, deserves to be up there. And um, so who would I come up with next? Well, probably a running back that was pretty solid. In fact, better than solid. I think overall he is – I think I could call him a poor man's Christian McCaffrey now, and that's Brian Westbrook who played for the Eagles. Good call. Yeah. Catching out of the backfield, he could run. He was a dynamic player, that freaking injury bug. Uh, this guy couldn't get away from injuries. And coming into the NFL, he had injuries. Coming out of Villanova, this guy put up fantastic numbers there. Great student, mm-hmm. athlete, everything. 31 in the Wonderland. So this guy is <laughs> yeah, smart dude overall. He just had bad luck. He goes to the NFL, plays well, hurts his knee there. But in college, he hurts his knee going from, I believe, one class to another, slipped on black ice and tore his knee. Damn, that's messed Come up. Come on, man. Black ice or black cat? <clears throat> what is it? What is it? <laughs> that's what was going on with him. But Brian Westbrook, definitely, when he was playing, man, he was a hell of a damn player. You know, I, I've been a Jets fan as long as I can remember. And um, the first player who I actually became a fan of growing up was Ruben Montgomery, number 31 for the Philadelphia 31, Eagles. Oh, my God. And then all, you know, as I got older, I kind of settled into just my team, just pointing out specific guys than Barry Sanders, of course. And then, um, but Brian Westbrook, they said could have been one of the greatest Eagles of all time in the backfield. And, you know, that includes Bubba Montgomery. Charlie Garner was out of as well. Charlie Garner was good. He had some good seasons, yep. Yeah, Ricky so, Waters was in Philly. Waters, look, look at the back they've had. <laughs> Better than all better than Herschel Walker, <laughs> but yeah, Brian Westbrook certainly somebody Villanova's the alma mater of Howie Long as well. So, yeah, man, big things come out of Wildcat country. So, I mentioned him telling my story by Andrew and James, but I mean, Ricky Williams was, was no joke either in the 2000s. Oh, yeah, yeah 5,000 yard seasons, uh, rushed for over 10,000 yards. Had I think uh, almost seventy touchdowns. He was very productive. You know, he couldn't stay off the weed, but he had some very productive seasons. Yeah, I think he could have continued to play. His desire—you never knew what was going on in his head. I watched him at Texas. They called him Little Earl Campbell, and he looked just like Little Earl Campbell when he was at Texas, just bowling people over, just killing it. But did he leave the NFL the first time because of he said they were using him too much? Running backs saying that they were using him too much. I don't says, recall. Uh, I, don't recall. I think it was a game I, that the Dolphins played against. I can't remember. He got the ball over and over and over. And I'm like, man, his tongue was like hanging out. But he was, <laughs> he was effective. But then, uh, you know, not too long after that, you know, the retirement came up. And I think he mentioned something about being used too much. And I remember even right now, Jamie Morris holds the record for the most carries in the game. He played with Washington that day. Jamie Morris, the brother of Joe Morris, who played for uh, the Giants. And so Ricky Williams didn't get up there, but I guess he was getting too close. And he was <laughs> that powder. He was a much bigger guy than Jamie Morris. Yeah, although he was very productive, I, I got to say he didn't live up to the expectations, you know, 
coming out of Texas. He had won every award, set the rushing record, and he was supposed to light up the NFL, and he just didn't do it. Um, unfortunately, he didn't. Maybe the expectations were too high. Maybe it was due to him performing so well at Texas. I don't know, but he wasn't the same player in the NFL that he was at Texas. He wasn't as dominant, put it that way. Well, I think Although he was very productive. Do you think it had something to do with him playing in New Orleans, which at the time wasn't doing that well offensively? And he had things going on off the field. I mean, aside from the weed, he had Master P as his agent when he started, didn't he? He had Master P as his agent, and there was like some incentive-laden contract. Did he? Yeah, I think that's who he came out with, was his agent when he first came out. And he had like an incentive-laden contract that made zero sense. And he was just killed. If it was today, yeah. it would go viral. I mean, it was already viral. He, he was probably, yeah, he was probably upset he wasn't getting paid because he yeah, wasn't that's in another, the numbers. That's what I'm saying. Off the field deals. It was getting. It was, but almost, you know, doing doing interviews with his helmet on and stuff like that. Like he, he, he did. He walks a different path than most people. Exactly. Um, did you, more power did you to him. That, did you watch that? Um, on ESP, I think twenty for twenty, thirty for thirty, they did for him. Run, Ricky, run. You know, Ricky, yeah, run, Ricky, run. Bro, uh, there's a lot of weird things going on. I think on I saw bits man. and pieces. I don't recall too much of it, but man, yeah. I had to turn it off, bro. I didn't watch the end of it. Oh, this guy's out there, man. Not that I'm judging <laughs> him for being out there. Just the way that he just kind of decided to look, man. This guy was like, you know what? Yeah. I just woke up this morning to do an interview. <laughs> you know, you know it, it reminded me of Bison Daily. You, you know, know what? But I, I heard right the, there, man. the name of his boat was Hakuna Matata. Yeah. That's that's what I think. That's where I think Ricky's the wavelength. Him and Bison Daily, they're on the same wavelength. Yeah, yeah it's like money's just for the weed. The money doesn't mean anything else. The car, the house, nothing. Because you look and see how Ricky Williams is living now. Yeah, it's good. And for I'm him. not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying he and Bison Daily, two pot, two peas in a pot. Yeah, that's true. I didn't think about it. All incidentally, though, I was actually thinking about Bison Daily a couple of weeks ago, only because of what happened to him. Because I think I was talking to a friend of mine about things that are happening in sports, and that was one of the people that came up. You know, because uh, who's the other guy whose wife killed him? I forgot his name. Um, oh my God! The basketball player whose wife killed him, man, and she went to prison. Yeah, I was for gonna him. say Steve McNair. Oh no, no, not the, the woman who killed him was from here in the Jacksonville area in Orange Park. He met her at like a David Buster's, and oh man, that was ridiculous. It happened on on <clears throat> Independence Day. I remember hearing it on the radio. I was like, what, Steve McNair? Man, craziness. But I can't remember this. Oh my God, I was just man. But anyway, we was talking quarterback. About it. Who was it? It was a, a, no, a basketball player. Oh, basketball his wife player. Killed him. His wife killed she him. She just got, she just went to prison within the last two. How long ago? About the last two, three years, I think she went to prison for it. Can't remember how. Oh, God, shit, who it could be. Man, anyway, damn. Now that's going to bother the hell out of me. But yeah, man, but Bison, you know, uh, Bison Delay and Ricky Williams, a lot of the same things and tendencies. Money doesn't mean anything or didn't mean anything for him in Bison's case. But, uh, just live their life, you know what I mean? They don't live like we live, or most of us live, put it that way. So anybody else you want to throw on the list? Um, there's only one guy left, the, the best out of all of them. I think oh, I mentioned them, but... Ladanian Thomason. Right. Beast for itself. Ladanian I mean, you may not be the only guy left, but I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not getting anybody else come to mind. Oh, no, nah, but 1,900 yards plus, 
in his first nine seasons, 17 touchdowns, bro, 153 total touchdowns in his career. Uh, he pales in comparison to everybody. That's pretty much, everyone else pales in comparison to him, make it. So, yeah, that's – it goes without saying. Damian Thomas yeah. the yeah, best. The MVP season where he broke Sean Alexander's record with 28 touchdowns. Yep. Um, he's in the Hall of Fame, over 16,000 yards. Uh, just in the 2000s, uh, for, for over 16,000 yards from scrimmage, uh, rushing and receiving. So, and I mean, he was all over the place. He was a natural for the NFL, uh, a natural for football. You know, I looked at his college career when he was at TCU, and he did over 400 yards in a the game there. I remember that game that he had done it, and then – I also remember they were going undefeated and they got beat by San Jose freaking State. That was that happened. It's like a little bump in the road. And that's not even a bump. That was a wall that just popped up. Yeah, but Danian Thomas had put up so many numbers. And I watched him play in person. And this is one thing. If you watch players on television all the time, you haven't been to a game, and you want to judge a player and say, man, he doesn't look as fast as I thought he was, go to the game. I respect Brian Urlacher to this day because I was like, man, the guy's overrated, overrated. Went to a game, one of the best guys I've seen. <laughs> no BS. The way he goes from sideline to sideline, bro, Brian Urlacher was an absolute beast. And I should have known better because he was a freaking safety in college at New Mexico. And so you have to have speed to do that. He was just that damn athletic. He comes over to the NFL, plays linebacker, obviously a big linebacker. The way that guy moved from sideline to sideline, I, I – it was a marvel of how anyone got away from him. <laughs> I'm serious. He was that damn good from sideline to sideline. But Danny yeah, Thompson. He, you know, I, I watched him every Sunday. Erlach yeah, exactly. was, was – uh, he put his name up there with the greatest of all time for, yeah. for linebackers. Uh, he had some amazing seasons, and that's why he was a first ballot Hall of Famer. No problem. But, but this is about running backs. Yeah. I mean, I just, <laughs> I'm just talking about a comparison of watching a player on television than seeing them in person. But Danian Thompson was that guy as well. He came here to Jacksonville. It was like he took like five steps and there was a first down, or not even five steps and it was already a first down. He hits the corner and you see this acceleration and it confirms once again how you could not make the NFL when you saw him do it. Like, yeah, I would have beat him out. The kicker, maybe, not him. And you could just see the speed he had doing what he was doing. He was just, the Danian Thompson, man, catching out of the backfield, not even a willing blocker. He was a flat out blocker. And yeah, not not to that. throw shade, not to throw shade at Jamal Lewis. You know, we we've given him his flowers. He, we talked about him. We, we praised him, and, and other guys that run like Jamal Lewis, kind of bigger, whatever. But Ladanian Thomason was fun to watch. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he, he's he's up there with with Marshall Falk. You know, guys, you you just want to see them catch the ball, run the ball, whatever. They have the ball in their hands. Juke player here, spin there. I mean, it's just fun to watch, man. Crazy. And they make it happen. You know, you can get the ball and do a whole bunch of everything and get, well, three yards. He's getting 15 yards. He's probably getting a three-yarder, but it was probably a valuable three-yarder. You know, you probably would score <laughs> for one. He gets the three yards, and he just did everything you asked him to do on a football field. He stayed out there. He came to the Jets, man, as an old man, was still making plays as an <laughs> old guy. So, y'all, man, more props to LaDainian Thompson than I have time to give. So, yeah, no question about that. LaDainian Thompson on the list. There's some other guys he probably could have thrown out there. Deuce McAllister was one of them. You know, I thought he was a, a bit overrated, I thought. You know, I remember watching him at an old Miss. They were talking about a 4-2. I was like, no, no, no. He just, no. <laughs> but he goes, the, he goes to the NFL, plays with New Orleans. He, he did well, had a nice career. 
you know, the injury bug, like which happens to most running backs. But Deuce McAllister is another guy to, you know, to throw out there because he was somebody in the 2000s that had a name for himself and people knew. You know, I don't know if they'll say that Deuce was loose. But Willis <laughs> McGahee is another one. Uh, Willis McGahee is another guy. And man, he had some severe injuries and he yeah, came and back. That's the him, point. Man. That injury he had at Miami against Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, he should have should not have had an NFL career. It looked like a career ender. That's it, a, a complete career ender. And you think about what kept Gale saves. I know technology wasn't what it once was, but you look at Gale saves career was over because of the injury he had back then. Willis McGay, he pretty much had his knee exploded, and then he came back. He was so good that he didn't have, he couldn't go to the combine and the Buffalo Bills still took him in the first round. You could have easily got him in the th- well I can't say easily because somebody else might have gotten him in the second round. But you probably could have waited the second third round to get him based on sight unseen. Probably but you know how bad that injury was I in my opinion anyway. I believe if that happens nowadays they wouldn't even show the replay. Uh, you know what? After the other day yeah, with um, with Nick Chubb, when they decided yeah, they wanted to show the replay. They show it. I remember when Napoleon McCallum, remember he hurt his knee uh, on Monday night on Monday yeah, night football. They showed it over and over with the ostrich leg. I'm like, oh yeah. God, man, stop showing it. Now <laughs> they probably won't show it. They be like, yo, man, you need to show it. Put it on YouTube or something. Yeah, but- yeah, and then, and then they'll, they'll talk to us like we're stupid. They'll, they'll say, oh, that gasp you heard from the crowd. They showed it on the jumbo trial. No shit. <laughs> we wait for you to show the replay, and we hear the crowd. We know what's going on. The hell. And by the way, before we go with this, what do you think about throwing Warwick Dunn out there? You know what? If for nothing else, what he's doing off the field, man, we got to talk about Warwick oh, Dunn, man. Warwick Dunn's just a man. All around good guy. That you never heard a bad thing about mm-hmm. another person. From the top, and considering the things that had happened to him in his life, his mom getting killed the way she did before he went over yeah. to Florida State, I kept on recruiting a lot. I still do to this day because it's just an absolute passion. I don't need money. I don't need anything. I could just keep up with recruiting basketball and football. And I remember him coming up. I think he played for Catholic High School in New Orleans. He was the quarterback in like the running, not the running shoot, but the, um, the wishbone or something. And he was so fast and ridiculous. He was 150 pounds, 155 pounds. He goes to Florida State. He wants the red shirt, but after they had a team scrimmage, Bobby Bowden saw this little dude. It was like, yo, bro, we got to put you out there. You can't red shirt. And he comes in and just lights it up. And every Gator fan and every Florida State fan <laughs> knows what happened. They know who Warwick Dunn is, and they will forever. It's already in the annals. You, you watch the video and how he made the touchdown. and uh, But Warwick Dunn, and then what you say, off the field, houses for single mom. <clears throat> Uh, come on, man. This guy's gold, man. He's gold. Yeah. Work done gets it. You know, he, he gets it. Yeah. Uh, God God bless work done, man. But yeah, on, the field, on the field, he could catch it out of the backfield. He can make you miss. He, oh, make you miss. Quick, quick feet. I mean, he could run the ball. Work done's a bad dude. And why was he 178 pounds throughout his almost his entire career? And the dude hardly got injured. I mean, it was he and Mike Allstock that was making it happen in the beginning. Then he goes into Atlanta, does some things up there. I think, you know, he's quick enough and his vision was good enough. He could see the guys coming. He could avoid the big hits. I don't recall him ever getting, you know, blasted. Same thing with Barry Sanders. 
and you know guys had that they had targets on those they trying to get them man. yeah man they trying you to get couldn't, out. you couldn't line them up you couldn't you couldn't look, get them unlocked you just be glad you get them down man man work done bro oh man i mean he had five one thousand yard seasons so it wasn't like he was some spot duty guy he was a primary guy you know what i mean yeah. and he was with mike I mean, that, was, that was All-Star a deadly backfield with him. oh it wasn't him, man him, 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 all-star all-star that's another one man and shoot the way all-star used to bad big boy guys when he used to play man and i don't I, I hear people call him overrated what was overrated about mike all-star he was actually running better than fullbacks and still kept the power lorenzo neal gets his credit for blocking lorenzo neal was put you in the icu mm-hmm. if, he, if, hard you, all the time. if you rate all-star as a running back sure he's overrated but he was a fullback he, he was wasn't a fullback. halfback he was not a halfback you got to rank him as a fullback, and as a fullback, dude was incredible. Because compared to other fullbacks, he was he had Olympic speed. Yeah, Tommy Vardell was supposed to be a great fullback. <laughs> Look what happened there. <clears throat> he had the knee injury, but he wasn't going to be anything like Michael Allstott. You know, Tom Rathman you could probably look at because he was in an office that took advantage of everything and had weapons that made you have to go one-on-one a lot of times, so the fullback got the ball out of the backfield a lot. And he had Roger Craig with him. But still, but yeah, Warren Dunn. I just had to throw him Matthew out there. was a bad dude. The the Husker backfield in the pros. Who? Uh, Roger Craig and oh, Roger. Tom oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? You know what? Yeah, that's true. Tom Rathman, Roger Craig in the pros at Nebraska. Nebraska put out those players, man. I don't care what it might have been yeah, the I, gap they might have had between championships, but individual players, they put them out there, and the dudes just play, man. I, I still think of D'Angelo Evans every now and then. And what he could have done at Nebraska you if he stayed. You love to mention number four. Yeah, that's, that's the dude, though. Uh, I thought he would have been the dude. You know, it, it came from the same state as Barry Sanders. You know, I think he went to Wichita Collegiate High School. But either way, yeah, man. Rudy Johnson was another name on there, but he, he, no, no, no. I just thought I'd throw <laughs> a name out there. We don't need to go through any stats. I used to always wonder why. How can they can't tackle this guy? You know, he was slow. I thought he was, but he was getting yards and getting touchdowns in the NFL. I remember that at Auburn, slow, but they still drafted him and didn't go to the NFL. He's slow, but he's getting yards. <laughs> I, I, don't, I just can't get it. Can't get it. Apparently, it's not me. But anyway, that'll be it for the list. Yeah, let us know what you think. Did we miss anybody? Did you do you agree with the people we mentioned? Uh, are we full of crap? Uh, whatever. Let us know. Give us some feedback. Yeah, those are some good players. Out you you can't give us crap about Ladanian Thomason and, uh, come and, on, and, 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 and Jamal come on, Lewis man. and the guys we did mention, though. Even people from the AFC West came on here, they couldn't complain about it. And, you know, he was <laughs> the one who damaged your teams the entire time he was there. You know, they got to give him his props where it's due. I think when players are that great, it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? They're, your favorite team getting beaten up by them doesn't matter. You just give this guy the credit they deserve, and that'll be it. You know, like Lawrence Taylor. You know, Redskins fans talk about him. Dallas fans talk about him. Other people talk about him who watch them. You know, Philly fans and who hate everybody, but they still give him his credit, though. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I hate He's, the Giants. I hate this and that. But Lawrence Taylor, man, forget it. Never seen anything like it. So that'll be it for today. We'll catch you tomorrow to end the week. And, of course, we will get down to the baseball because this show here on a Wednesday is typically something we do. Yeah, because the Rays got eliminated. The Blue Jays got eliminated. Man, oh, man, that—that's the team I was going for. I didn't—I didn't predict them to win. That's—that's that's who I was going for. Now I gotta find a new team. 
and the Rays starting off the way they did to end the way they have now lost, you know, and they only got one run in the two games before this week. So a lot to think about when the season starts and you start going winning what start off 15 and 0 or 14 and 0, and then you continue to go on. Kind of like the Detroit Tigers from the night, what 84, 84 Tigers. I think they were 35 and 5, but they ended up winning the World Series. Yeah. So nah, not this time for the Rays. Sorry. Hopefully the Baltimore Orioles keep the blessings of the, the uh, AL East going, but we'll see a lot of new teams in the playoffs altogether between the Just AL Somebody and beat the Astros, man. I, I want the Astros beaten, of course. You know, that's the they're on the hit list just for just for being the Astros or assholes. We'll call them that. Astros. <laughs> the Astros. Yeah, give me a sign on that one. But anyways, <laughs> and I'll look at it from the outfield. I'll try if he's biased. We'll catch you tomorrow on another episode of the Sports Bag Bros. Deuces. Peace.